And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Did you start your own business or are you managing one? Because if you did or you're thinking about it, you're either a leader or you're getting ready to be. And I think one of the hardest things about being the leader is sometimes letting your leadership team that you've hired lead uh, as founders and entrepreneurs. We feel that our business and our projects are our babies, and sometimes it's hard to hand them over to others. We're going to talk about that and more right after I let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Double. That's a flexible assistant service for busy executives that matches you with an experienced assistant. And you only pay for the hours you need. You tell Double everything you're looking for in an assistant and they match you with an experienced, dedicated remote assistant. Double handles all the upfront full time consuming items such as interviewing, matching, onboarding, invoicing, and training. You can go to double.com. There's a link for that in the show notes and you get 50% off your first month when you sign up and use the code hustle22. Link in the show notes, hustle22 when you sign up. So that's with double.com. Use the code hustle22 and unlock 50% off. I need an assistant, dude. You talk about like leadership and I've actually been working in that. I've been, I'm probably going to try double. That's the first episode of a new sponsorship. Now we talk about leadership and part of being able to be present for leadership is sometimes clearing yourself of other tasks. Maybe we'll talk about that. I don't know. With me today, I've got Will Robinson. Will is the CEO of Encapture. That is a FinTech and banking and AI documentation efficiency company and capture. There's a link for that in the show notes too. You know, what's even easier than trying to go type it into a browser, just scroll down and click those links straight out of Dallas, Texas. Will, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey Matt, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this topic. This is, uh, I, I like anything uh, involving leadership or selling stuff, or if I get it really well, sales leadership. But uh, where I'd really like to start our conversation today was uh, with a little bit more about your backstory. Are you the Will Robinson that we yell danger at? Do you get that? That's right. That's right, man. I'm straight out of the 1950s. I knew Uh, it. I knew it. it. I get it probably four to five times a week. I get it. Sorry to to tack on to that. Yeah. You're you're aging well from being from the 50s. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's funny because I'm, I'm 35 years old and, you know, for a while, there was just a certain generation that grew up watching oh, yeah. that show. And I yeah. thought, you know what? When I hit my 30s, 40s, this is going to die out. Away. No one's going to remember it. And then, of course, two years ago, Amazon does their biggest budget series ever, and it's lost in space. And yeah. so there's now a whole new generation of people saying, hey, man, I saw this show, um, and it's awesome. And there's a character, Will Robinson. And have you ever heard of it? And I just kind of rolled my eyes. <laughs> Well, I figured that's part, it had to be part of your backstory. So, 
I do ask my parents that all the time. I'm like, where did, what were you guys thinking? And they, they were like, you know, William Robinson, that's a pretty standard name. We didn't really watch the show and, and we just didn't think anything about it. So, you know, I've got three, I've got three boys now and young kids. And like, as we've gone through the naming process, that has been a very, you know, explicit part of the conversation with my wife. Well, glad we got to start with the birth part of your backstory. Now let's fast forward maybe more to like the professional or transformative process of leadership or just being the CEO at Encapture. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a funny journey and it's, it's kind of a non, probably a non-traditional journey to getting here. Um, I started my career in the finance world. I was an investment banker, moved to New York city right after college and uh, worked for um a big investment bank, worked for a big private equity firm, and, and we invested in software companies. And that's where I got exposed to, to the software industry and felt like, man, this is a pretty cool space. And for the rest of my career, I feel like there's going to be a lot of innovation and opportunity. And I'd always been an entrepreneur at heart and, and started a couple businesses, as a, even as a kid, to pay for summer camps and, and stuff and pay for my first car and, and always had that calling to feel like, hey, I want to go run a business. So left the finance world, moved back to Dallas. Dallas is home for me and uh, worked for another tech company before joining in Capture here as CEO. So first time CEO gig, I've been in the role about four years and it's been, um, it's been incredible. It's been really challenging um, and it's been really rewarding. And uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I just feel blessed to be able to do it. So leadership's a tricky thing. I mean, what's what's something that let's just get right into the meat and potatoes here? Because I think, by the way, I think leaders often get straight to the point. Um, you know, as mentioned, talking about letting your leadership team lead at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that, and I've you know I've been guilty of this too because I think that you know founder and CEO are sometimes different. Um, as my company full scale, you can go to fullscale.io if you want to learn more about what we do uh, as it's grown. I mean, I had no choice but to like, so we had a hundred employees after a year. Um, and, you know, you get to the point where all, there's this phrase, all you can do is all you can do. Um, and I had accidentally made myself the conduit uh, for too much stuff. So I'm still four and a half years later undoing a lot of that. But I mean, what are some of the early lessons you've learned? Yeah, you know, it's funny when I joined when I joined in Capture. So we have an interesting backstory. We had been around for 20 years, kind of a different business model, a different leadership team. Um, you know, the original founder was running it when I started. And so when I came in, uh, I came in with some new growth capital that bought him out. And really, we had a very different um, kind of hypothesis about where we wanted to take the company, how to grow the company. And uh, it was it was one of those situations where for the first year and a half, I felt like I was the only person at the company. And I know this sounds dramatic, but it's true. It's how I felt. I was the only person at the company who really believed in and saw the vision of where we were trying to go as an organization. You know, I had I had about 35 or so employees that, that had been with this company for a long time. And again, getting them to pivot and think about the world very differently, not only what we do in our core business model, but the way that we treat our customers, the way we treat each other internally, it was a complete reset. And, uh, you know, that was really hard because again, for that first year, year and a half, I felt like I was beating the drum. I was the one who had clarity around the vision and where we're trying to go. And I was trying to, I was trying to drag people along with me. And I got to this point where I was able to hire my first 
kind of new uh, leader in the company, our, our head of sales, our chief revenue officer, kind of a new guy coming in. He bought into the vision and there was this immediate uplift of him being able to can't carry kind of carry that vision alongside me. And it just immediately lightened the load by like three X um, having someone else that can, that could come in and do that. So, so I would say, you know, the, the transition has been for me in the first year and a half, it's just me beating the drum, kind of leading from the front. And then as I built out kind of a new leadership team that's coming fresh, I've been able to really step back from that and allow them to, to carry kind of the vision and the execution of the vision forward. And it's been, it's been hard, but it's been really freeing as well. So that, you know, inserting a leader uh, is, is a tricky thing because a lot of times leadership happens organically in a team. And, you know, I think that you see a lot of businesses do that. They're like, here's the manager. And I mean, sometimes that person struggles for traction and they struggle for credibility. Um, you know, when it comes to, to getting into a role where, you, so I, I've been in this in the past, I've taken over some leadership roles. I think being the leader at a company that you started, as opposed to getting hired to be a leader at a company that's already started, it can be a, a wildly different thing. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guarantee you a bunch of people that are listening to this, if not everybody has had a job or been involved somewhere where there was a, a, an appointed leader that was very ineffective. And, you know, that's one of the things I think the, the first thing is, is if you are, you talk about, you know, letting your leadership team lead. I think it's the founder's job or whoever hires you to put you in that role is also if they want you to be effective and you want to let those people lead, you have to license, you know, the, you have to say, Hey, look, I need, I need, I need you to buy in. I need you as this team to buy in. This is why we're doing this. And this is the point here, but you know, like uh, being able to say, I need your support. I want your support. Now on the leadership side, I think that one of the first things you need to do at, at, if you are in charge of a team is to try, try to do anything you can to build credibility. Just because they say you're the leader doesn't mean you're the leader. So for me, I like to go, I, I, I'll sit down and I'll do everyone's job with them. Maybe, I mean, it might only be like 15 minutes or a little bit, but I want to get, a, I want to gain a little bit of empathy for everybody on the team and see what they're going through. And I think it's real easy to just ask people like, what do you think we could do to improve here? Make sure that you're listening to the people that you're, that, you know, that you're yeah. supposed to lead. Cause I think if, if you lose, if you don't, if you're for, if you're seen as not listening or caring or not giving a shit about any of that input, uh, you're going to struggle for credibility, right? Away. Yeah. Well, and people, you know, people want to know that they can believe in you, right? I mean, new right. leader comes in and, and, uh, you know, my goal is always to promote from within, uh, but it's always hard because sometimes you look at the folks you have and they may be great contributors to your team, but you can't bet that leadership role on that person, maybe just yet, or maybe never, um, but the, the, the big thing for me coming in was, you know, I need to show that you got to show you, you got to have a lot of empathy that you care. You really care about the people here and you care about their success, especially if you're going through a lot of change like we've like we were going through where we were we were kind of thinking about everything differently. You know, me getting in and saying, hey, I may not understand every single job at this company, uh, but I care about you as a person. I care about your professional development and your well-being. And I'm going to lead from the front in sense of 
if you're here, I'm here. And so there were some little things around just even physical presence, like being in the office, you know, this was also right before COVID hit. And so uh, that, that has really upended a lot of, of kind of workplace leadership dynamic, but being around, being in the office, being present, I think is important for leaders, especially early on uh, being willing to roll up your sleeves. And, you know, I remember there were a, a, some of our initial sales meetings where we were trying to redo our sales playbook and our pitch deck, you know, I would, I'd work the weekends and work super late at night to get this stuff done. A, because it had to get done. B, I didn't think anyone else could do it the way I wanted it to be done, which again, early phase, not the way to lead long-term. Uh, but, you know, it just demonstrated like, hey, Will's here, he cares. He's putting up, you know, fourth 100% effort. And, you know, we we can get behind that. So it's, it's shifted. I get to be a little bit more behind the scenes now. And I'm a big believer in servant leadership, which we can talk about later. But um, it's been it's been fun to either grow up internally some leaders or bring in some new leaders from the outside and let them have a lot of room to, to run with their teams. Your success is my success. And that's the message that I try to convey when I'm talking to the people that work at my company. And, you know, it kind of throws them for a loop because I tell them, I work for you. Yeah. And they're like, no, that isn't the case. Your name is actually signed on my paycheck. And I'm like, yeah, but I work for you because it's my job to help you be successful. If you're successful, then I'm successful. And that's that you talk about like servant leadership and that's the, you know, I'll let you talk about that for a second. I don't, I, you know, at the same time, I, I don't necessarily set myself up as a servant either, but that said, it's like, you know, that I think that that's a main, a big part of getting people to get behind you is they, if they feel that what you're doing is also, okay, help everyone else get what they want, what they want. And we'll figure out what that is first, figure out what it is. Cause you get, you look at a whole group of people, you take, just take 20 random people. They're all going to be motivated by different things. And they're all going to also have different personality styles and just like different drivers. And I think having a basic understanding, cause here's the thing, if you have people that aren't necessarily motivated by money, giving them a financial incentive or equity or anything like that isn't necessarily effective. I've actually been on the shitty end of that yeah. where I ended up basically giving away shares to people that didn't even care about any of that. Yeah. You got to find, you got to find that, uh, you got to find what motivates people. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's working on interesting things. Sometimes it's feeling like they solve a real problem. Um, sometimes it's being heard. You know, we've, we've got folks here who do a really good job in kind of a more public forum because they like to be heard and that makes them feel good. And so finding kind of what, what, what makes everybody tick is key. And then, you know, to your point, uh, Matt, it was the servant leadership thing. It's almost inverting the org chart is the way I talk about it. It's like, instead of it being this pyramid where I'm the top point and, you know, everyone kind of trickles down for me, it's like, I'm at the bottom. And, you know, our individual contributors are really the folks that are interacting with our customers every single day. They're building our product, they're implementing our product, and they're the ones who make the little decisions that have a huge impact on the overall trajectory of the company. And so, you know, my job is to empower, it's almost kind of this, this waterfall effect of like, if I can empower my leadership team, my head of sales, head of CS, head of product to feel like they have a lot of clarity in what our goals are as an, as an organization, and then the autonomy to uh, you know make the decisions they need, and they realize that I'm here truly in a support role for them. 
um, it allows them to shine. And then, you know, conversely, they can do the same with their folks under them and with their folks under them. So it, it creates this, this culture where you do have to have a lot of clarity from, an, at, you know, at the org perspective, like where are we going as a company? What are the metrics that matter by team? And, and then, you know, having the right people on staff who feel comfortable with that, with that level of autonomy to say, and just self-confidence around, you know, supporting people around them saying, Hey, look, I'm not going to think about myself first. I'm going to think about the people around me before I think about myself. So we have a couple, we have three core values here that we talk about a lot that, that, that really play into that. And we kind of have a kind of a workplace culture mentality, again, kind of another tagline. So we use certain phrases to, to really drill this in. And it's been, I think it's been pretty effective. So servant leadership is defined as a leadership philosophy built on the belief that the most effective leaders strive to serve others rather than accrue power or take control. You don't work for me, you work with me. And um, I mean, that's a key thing. You know, it's crazy, man. So I'll, I'll go, uh, I, you know, the majority of our employees are in the Philippines and before COVID, they all came to the same office every day and I would go over and visit and I would stop and talk to everyone. I mean, that did everything I do, try to do their job a little bit and just try to get a, and get a grasp on what they were going through and what they were dealing with. And I would always collect feedback after my trips and people would say to our, our management that said, I can't believe Matt came and talked to us. The, the CEO came and talked to us and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, where have you worked? Yeah. You know, like it was, yeah. it's scary for me. I'm like, where have you worked that the leadership didn't come talk to yeah. you? And that's that, like, that's what I think you need to avoid. And that's, you know, it, it, now, you know, here we are kind of sharing some leadership tips and we're, you know, still promising to talk about letting your leadership team lead. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a, this is a, and, and it's okay. Cause I think, or we had to kind of set a, a foundation for some of that. And, you know, I want to get into talking a little bit more about that right after I remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Double, the experts in pairing founders with remote executive assistants that you can trust with Double. That's like the word with double.com. There's a link for that in the show notes and you can use the code HUSTLE22. It's 50% off. Last time I checked, that's half. That's half. Yeah, I'm yep. verifying that with you. You you are you and Capture does machine learning for banks and lenders. So did does the algorithm show that I'm correct? That I, I, I believe that fifty percent is half. Yes, it is. That. You know, I uh, I have a, a a speech that I give that goes along with my book Balance Me. That the whole premise of that is one hundred percent of your own effort is all you can give. And there's <laughs> always someone that's like, yeah, but I give a hundred and ten percent. I'm like, no, you don't. Not for this. Physically impossible. You don't. Because you have to like take your own efforts and like divide it. Like this is where my attention goes personally, professionally, or physically. Yeah. There's always one person. Yeah, but I give I give more than 100%. No, you don't. Yeah. 100% of what you can do is all you can do. Now, you know, I want to I want to visit the subject of so you talk about you're stepping into a company that already existed. You mentioned that. So here's the thing is, is I think a lot of times founders or, or boards or whoever's running a company go, they just kind of drop a leader in and then they, they're kind of like a powerless, you know, entity 
that doesn't really have the ability to do anything. And so, you know, that's, and that's, that's been a challenge for me. And as my companies grew quickly, I've had to have sales leaders, marketing leaders, operational leaders, recruitment leaders, all different kinds of leaders put in. And for me, what I learned is the best thing I can do is get real involved with them in the beginning and then get the F out of the way. Yeah. Like, I mean, almost like, and, and this is going to sound non-supportive, but this is totally supportive. Sometimes I think the best thing you do with letting your leadership team lead is almost kind of disappear for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you know, there's different styles. And to your point, Matt, there's, there are folks out there who, who rule with an iron fist, you know, CEOs, founders, and, or even, you know, you don't, you could be the, the head of a, of a division in your company, you know, and you've got a team below you and you kind of rule with an iron fist and every, every decision, big or small comes through you. And, you know, it's very hard to scale a business that way. Uh, and it's very hard to actually bring in people who are going to be multi have multiplier effects in your company, because the people who do well in situations where you rule with an iron fist, are just kind of these, you know, yes men that that are not empowered to make decisions. They're always going to defer to you, and it shuts off creativity in my mind. So, you know, for for me, when I've brought in new leaders or promoted people up internally, you know, the first thing I do is make sure we have really clear expectations about what the role is and what I'm expecting them to do. Um, and you know, I'm pretty pretty honest about you know opportunities. I think that. They can improve things or, you know, I, I give them a brain dump of my of my views. But ultimately, it comes back to, hey, here's what I'm expecting out of you in this role. This is what good's going to look like from a metric perspective or organizational success. Now, how you get there, I'm putting this on you. So you're the one driving the ship. I'm really riding along as an advocate, as a resource, as a as a sounding board. Um, and, you know, I want to foster this relationship where you can. You come, you know, like if you can come to me with problems, issues, or questions, and I'm not going to necessarily tell you, but I'm going to brainstorm with you. So, so we we spend a lot of time talking about that and, and doing that. And you know, unfortunately, not every person out there works well under that that style. I've I've had leaders here who who I've promoted up internally who I really wanted to feel like we could have this laissez-faire relationship where I set the metrics and they kind of have the the ability to go make it happen. And they just haven't, they've really struggled. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to prioritize. So uh, it's a hard thing to do. Um, but once you get it, once you get it going, it, it just allows people to flourish. And I think it allows, it's allowed me to attract some really, really high quality leaders into my company. And, and even young folks that are maybe not leaders yet, but when they look at the leadership style of company and we say, hey, look, as we keep growing, you guys get to be leaders. Uh, they get excited about that, that environment. So when you talk about setting expectations, one of the, and I do that, one of the expectations that you have to set though, is that I am expecting you to fail in some regards and know that that's not the end of the world. What I want to see is growth from that. And I've never upset when someone fails, but I do get progressively upset when we do the same dumb failure over and over and over. By the time you get to like the sixth, really like repetitive, avoidable, lame error, I start to wonder, I'm like, okay, are you paying attention? Do you care? And can you do this job? It's huge. So, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, but I do, but I do expect that failure in the beginning, and that, and I think it's important to, and if you want to empower your leadership team, is to let them know that up front. Like, I'm not expecting you to be perfect, and then I am expecting you to be open and forthright with me, though, because I, I, as my company's gotten bigger, I find that one of the things that is sometimes challenging is getting the real story of what's going on out on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, well, we didn't want to tell you because we didn't want you to be upset. Okay. Well, I, that you're, you're forcing me into a spot where I have no idea. You can't solve it. It's, it's difficult to solve a problem you don't know exists. Yeah. That's my biggest, that's my biggest fear being in this seat is that I'm in this ivory tower and I don't know what's going on. And, you know, like that, again, it's kind of a mind monster, but, you know, so we had this saying here, it's, it's high expectations, high trust, high accountability. And those are those are the ways that we we work together and that we lead. And so high expectations are what we talk about. We we want to be clear about what good looks like. Um, we are going to strive to be better. You know, I mean, that's just that again, that's a culture. That's a decision I make. And that's a decision we make as a company. We will strive to be better. So we set high expectations. We're clear about those. But then the high trusting comes in. So it's look, we're not going to micromanage you in your job, in your role. We're not going to whether you're an individual contributor or a leader, uh, we're going to we're going to trust that you're going to make the right decisions for your team. And we're going to support you in that. Uh, and then the high accountability piece is, is something that I think a lot of companies either tiptoe around or they just don't really want to get in or they, they interpret it as a very negative thing for us. Accountability simply is, you know, what were the expectations and did we, where did we fall into those expectations? Did we meet them? Did we exceed them, exceed them? Did we fall short and why? And so it, to your point, Matt, you have to create a very safe, environment for this accountability thing to work well. You want people to be able to show up and say, hey, I failed, or hey, I tried something because I thought it was a good idea and it didn't work. And and then allowing ourselves to not, you know, the, the result of that is not me sitting here berating somebody for, oh, you failed, you know, you didn't do a good job. It's like, no, that's incredible that you tried. What did we learn and what are we going to do differently going forward? So that we can meet those expectations that we're trying to meet as an org. And so that accountability piece, it requires a lot of trust. It, it requires, you know, I think starting with me, an environment that says, hey, look, if something bad's going on, we we actually want people to raise their hands. And we, you know, and we want them to do it in a way where it's not just complaining, but it's like, hey, I see a problem over here or this is not working. Here's what I think we can do better. And uh you know, it, it also requires folks who have enough, you know, self-confidence to admit that they're wrong. And there are people out there, and I struggle with this myself personally in the past, where you just want to be seen as the person who always does everything right. And that's impossible. That's just a, that's such a, such a bad way to live your life. It leads to so many problems. Uh, but if we can kind of get past that and say, hey, we're going to make mistakes. We've seen a lot of really good growth as a company, a lot of innovation here. And people really flourish because they realize I'm not going to get I'm not going to get fired if something doesn't go, you know, the way we want it to, as long as I'm willing to talk about it and, and brainstorm on how we fix it. Yeah. With that, I, I, when I'm talking to a leadership team, though, one thing I want to see is responsibility. Now, when I say responsibility that I think a lot of people, if you ask people to say, define responsibility, they'll say, well, getting my kids to school on time or showing up to work on time. Um, I don't look at responsibility like that. Responsibility is, is owning the results and outcome of your own efforts. And the, it's really easy to spot because people that aren't, that can't take responsibility. All right. So 
here's someone and they, and they walk in the door and they're like, I got a speeding ticket on the way here. I can't believe that police officer would give me that ticket for going 45 and a 25. How dare him? That is not taking responsibility. So part of that, if you, I think if you see that in your leadership team, if you if you build a culture of blame, you're going to have a nasty culture soon enough because everyone's going to just start blaming each other and there's no real there's no real productive outcome there. So part of the responsibility thing though is is you know there's there's this uh, concept of extreme ownership which is the idea that as a leader there are no there are no bad teams there are only bad leaders. So I I I've seen this a lot with in leadership roles and you talk about sometimes as the leader's leader you need to be able to clarify that and at some point and I do this at my own company if something fails like enough all you're going to start hearing me say okay well at some point this isn't this is on us at the top level because we're not finding a way to get this done whether whatever that is you have to have this level of responsibility and i think if you start to hear the 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 tone the tonality of blame uh, occurring around your organization and your conversations with all of it then you know then i i think that that's a big 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 red flag and you're not going to really end up letting anybody lead if they can't like I said, it's you got to own the results of your outcome. It's some, would you rather have an employee that failed at something say, you know what, I didn't do a very good job here and I know why and I can do a better job next time. I don't think we're going to get the same result. Or would you rather have someone, it was this person's fault or this was the reason it didn't occur, blah, 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 blame, 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 blame. I hear the first person take responsibility. I'm going to handle that completely different than someone that's just consistently blaming everyone and everything but themselves for the outcome. Yeah, it's a huge thing. And, you know, I think in companies too, another thing that that you have to look for is, is there cross-functional blame, right? Is the sales team blaming the product? Well, we didn't hit our goal this quarter because the product didn't have the features we needed. Or the product team saying, well... You know, I'm not getting good feedback from my implementation team because, uh, you know, I, I want to set priorities and set a roadmap and add features that they need, but I don't feel like I'm getting good feedback. You know, that's the stuff that can become really toxic. And that's something where I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to take credit for this for us, but, but my leadership here has done a really good job of not diving into that. I'm going to blame, you know, I'm going to blame another team. Uh, you know, they've said, look, I mean, we, we definitely call out challenges and issues, but we do that in a constructive, you know, forum to say, okay, how can we solve through this? And, you know, the other thing too on this, Matt, that I think swings the other way that we're having to deal with right now, if you are in an extreme ownership type environment, there are times where me as the, the top leader, I do have to make the call that there are some things, if we're failing, there are some things that just simply are out of our control that maybe have contributed to the failure. And so we don't need to go back and blow up everything that we're doing but just recognize it for what it is. And like a good example right now, you know, with, with the, uh, you know, with the, the economic uncertainty and rising inflation and interest rates going up, it's just getting a lot harder for our sales team to close certain deals. And we're selling into banks and lenders and, and, you know, they're, they're fairly, a, they're a fairly conservative bunch and, you know, uh, to start with. And, and so they're a bit fearful and saying, well, I don't know if I want to make a decision on buying your platform now, or maybe wait a couple quarters. And, 
you know, um, we, we had a really good productive conversation this week around some of the stuff that we, there's definitely some things we can do differently, but some of the stuff is the, the environment in which we're operating. And, you know, we need to, we need to let that place, we need to let that have its place so we don't unnecessarily beat ourselves up. So there's this real fine balance. And I think to your point, Matt, most organizations are still trying to get to that, that extreme ownership or that high accountability type environment. But once you're there, you do need to make sure that people aren't, uh, you know, aren't being too hard on themselves to where they, you start making bad decisions as a company. Yeah. And like, and like I said, the whole purpose of the responsibility is that, you know, someone's got to take ownership of stuff. Otherwise it just starts to, I don't know, it, it, that, that kind of stuff definitely flows downhill and it can be, it can be really toxic. Um, you know, when you talk about now, now back to the idea of, you know, letting your leadership team lead, I, I, I once again want to, you know, point out to those of you listening, if you founded a company, it, it is your baby. And, and look, the, I hear, I hear some real red flags. I hear them a lot. So, you know, it, it, we talked about like with double, uh, with double.com and uh, with assistance and stuff like that. I think that, that so much of the, of the not letting your leadership team lead starts with, a founder's inability to begin to delegate simple things. And you hear things like, well, it's easier for me to just do it myself. Okay. Well, that's, that's a really great way to guarantee that you'll always be the person to do it. And then those things pile up and those things pile up and those things pile up. And then you end up being a blocker and you know, the, and I think, What's something when you think about like, what are some red flags that a founder could say, or something you've experienced? I don't want to ask you to throw anyone under the bus here, but um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, you know, like the inability to turn up, to begin to delegate simple things. And the idea that you're always the best person, you can always do it better. Hey, look, if you're as a founder, if your employees were all you, they wouldn't work for you. Yeah. So I think we get, we talked about setting expectations. I think so much of it starts with what are my expectations? Cause like here at my company, there's, I mean, I don't have a job other than, well, software developers is the only job where I'll hire people that are pre-trained to come in. But even them, like say they came to work for Encapture, they don't know your platform. They don't know how you do stuff. They don't, you got to have some level that like, Hey, this person's got to get up to speed. And that's one of the things I hear from a lot. Oh, it's faster for me to just do it myself. Yeah. It's you dangerous, pump, Matt. I mean, it's dangerous. That, you make that pile big enough, it'll bury it. Yeah. And you know, it, it really starts with as a founder or CEO, you got to be really clear with yourself. What are your goals for the business? Like, what do you really want in life? And you know, there's kind of a cliche that every founder either wants to be rich or they want to be king. And you know, it's, it's being clear with yourself. What do you really want out of this? Because if you're, you know, if, if you're really focused on being the person in control all the time, you can run a great five, six person company, you know, and that will work really well for you, but you will never grow. You will never scale. Um, and if you try, there will be all sorts of issues. And so things that I'll, I'll say this, Matt, things that I focus on that I try to check myself on to make sure that I'm letting my people lead one, uh, am I setting really clear expectations kind of on an annual basis or quarterly basis on what I'm expecting out of them or out of their group? 
um, that has to be written. It has to be communicated 20 different times. Uh, two little things. I don't, I try not to, I try to check and see how often I'm speaking up in bigger uh, company meetings. Specifically, if it's like a sales team meeting, like a weekly sales forecast meeting or a weekly, you know, a CS implementation meeting or product roadmap meeting. I don't, I'd rather be a listener and an observer than really the voice leading. And so uh, that's something else that you can look for. You know, if you feel like you're constantly inserting yourself or redirecting the conversation over the leader that's supposed to be leading the meeting, that's a red flag. Um, if you, if you're, and this is hard for me, I'm, I'm saying things that are hard for me. Uh, there are little things that will happen that are not the way you would do them. Uh, whether it's the way maybe a specific term in a contract's written or, or maybe a, a training uh, program cadence or uh, maybe the way that you, someone's trying to organize their team, their team structure. It's maybe not the exact way you do it, uh, but letting them own that, figure that out, and then just holding them accountable to the, really it's to the results that you're expecting and letting them do that is something that I, I feel like I have to let go of a lot. So uh, those are some top of mind things, at least for me, that I, that I have struggled with in the past that I try to be intentional about is the more that I can kind of fade into the background from a, an X's and O's perspective and let my folks lead, really, you know, my responsibility here is to make sure that everybody at the company is clear on the vision, clear where we're trying to go as a company, um, that, you know, the resources that we have are allocated properly, making sure that we have enough, you know, capital to achieve the goals we're trying to achieve and making sure my leadership team feels like they have my support um, in them making their decisions. That's kind of where I try to draw the line. Yeah, you look at the decisions that the management team might want to make, and I'm expanding on your your thoughts here. The uh, So I've had situations I've looked at, okay, hey, this is the solution we want to try. This is what we want to do, you know, so on and so forth. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. But as the leader's leader, sometimes you have to let people try their idea. Now, look, maybe it will work. You might be wrong, yeah. but until if that's the solution that your leadership team thinks is going to work, you might, you might lose credibility and the inability to be the leader's leader. If you're just shooting down everyone's ideas because they're not yours. Now I, I do that with salespeople because you know, like we at full scale, we want a specific type of client. We get a new salesperson and I'll actually let them sign up the wrong client occasionally. Cause I don't want to just like, you know, I I'm supposed to be approving every new client we come in. We're not a big, we're not a big batch operation. We want the right kind of people to work with, not just people to work with. But if you have salespeople and every time they bring a deal to the table, you just tear it up. Not the right one, not the right one, not the right one. Well, you're going to, you're going to, you're, they're not going to stick around or they're not going to learn. So sometimes, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's just like having kids, man. It's like, you know, sometimes you got, you got to let them, you got to let them go make the mistake and see how that works. Now, yeah. you know what I think is not a mistake is checking out with double.com and startup hustle, startup hustle listeners can go there. There's a link in the show notes. They can use the code hustle 22 and unlock 50% off the first month, or you can just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you there. Hustle 22, go check them out. I was looking at their website and, you know, I, I want to get back to the, the, 
the concept that if you want to be a leader, I've been working on this myself. So I actually, uh, I hired a mindfulness coach and, uh, it was a new thing. I hadn't done anything like that before. And it, it did, it's done a great, a great, uh, she's done a great job helping me because I, I, the very first session was, okay, let's talk about all the things that you're doing or that's sucking up your time that, uh, your time or your thoughts that are preventing you from doing the things that are the most valuable at your company. And that's, and, and actually I came to the conclusion of, wow. I mean, first off, it was a mind blowing thing to sit back and like, get that list. I'm like, you're like, I'm like eight minutes into it. And I'm like, holy shit. I am doing a lot of stuff that I don't want to do. I shouldn't do. And probably isn't the most valuable thing I could do. And it's preventing me from doing other things like being a leader, finding more business, doing a lot of stuff. So uh, for a lot of, I think for a lot of people, that's a, that's an assistant thing. Do you have help? Do you have someone that helps you? I've got, man, I've got a couple of different um, avenues for that. I've got a, a, a peer group of other software CEOs that I meet with regularly to talk through business stuff. Um, worked with a couple different coaches and mentors um, in the past to help bring clarity. And, um, you know, the, the, the thing too, that, that has come out of a lot of that, which is interesting, Matt, is, you know, to your point, a lot of help with structuring your day. One of the things that has been a recurring theme for me is um, having the right people at the company and on the team. And that's kind of where a lot of this has come, you know, come back to. If I'm trying to really, you know, we've been, we've been on this very aggressive growth uh, uh, path and, and, and it's been awesome, but it's, it's required, you know, me to, uh, you know, bring in new folks, like let, let some old folks go and, and really be constantly tweaking the team that we have to do that. And the thing that typically holds us back are, are, you know, the wrong people in the wrong seats, kind of the, kind of the, the, you know, the wrong people on the bus mentality. And, uh, that's, that's something that I think as a leader, you have to be, very aware of is not, you know, you've got letting your leaders lead is critical, but also being able to kind of skip level assess talent um, and help your leaders see things that maybe they don't see because with their individual contributors, because they're, you know, in, in it day in, day out. So we spent a lot of time in our company talking about, um, you know, talking about our people. And again, we're 70 employees, so we're not quite as big as you, Matt, but we've got 70 people. And in my one-on-ones every week with my leadership team, we can more or less kind of talk about every single buddy, every single person at the company. And we don't talk about every single person every week, but we, we kind of track how folks are doing and, and, you know, where are they flourishing? Where are they struggling? And uh, I have learned it's been more beneficial to move more quickly on folks that are, if they're doing a good job, promote them up, give them more responsibility. And if they're struggling and it's at a point where we've supported them as much as we can, and they're just not going to make it, it's dragging everybody else down too. You got to make a change. So that's kind of the, that's the hard side. I think about being a founder or CEO is once you start growing and scaling your team, um, besides letting your leaders lead, you have to be really vigilant about having high quality folks on your team. Um, if you're trying to do big things, uh, and, and it's, that's, it's a hard thing to do. You know, what's crazy is the U S government says that until you have more than 500 employees, you're a quote, small business. And I'm like, whoever wrote that is a freaking idiot. Yeah, that is literally the guideline. So 
Which is funny because I mean, like, I just think about the problems that I face with 20, 30, right. you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 employees. But at 498, <laughs> you're still a small business. Yeah. You know, and it's a it's, small business is like four. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Well, here we are. We have uh, reached, we have reached uh, our, we are near our end here in our discussion about letting your leadership team lead. I mean, what, what about today's conversation stands out or what's some of the best advice that we came up with today in your opinion? Man, for me, it always comes back to, are you clear as a CEO or founder, what you're trying to, what, what the company's trying to do, right? And if you have a board or you have investors, they're going to help, they're going to help feed this. But I can't, I keep coming back to, if your goal is to grow, and to build a big company, which again, 200 people, that's a big company. I know that's small business, but that's a big company. Uh, you know, if you're trying to really grow and build something great, you cannot do it yourself. You have to bring in strong leaders and strong leaders are those who do not want you to micromanage them. They want to have the space and the resources and the autonomy to go make, make stuff happen. That's why they're strong leaders in the first place. And so, Figuring out for yourself, I think I think it requires some humility of uh, understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are yourself, uh, and and really being intentional about stepping back and letting folks lead. I think is what what I've seen in my career have have the biggest impact. Yeah, I've got a I got a couple of gems for you. Once again, want to thank the folks over at Double and Double's remote executive assistants can help you with everything from email to calendar organization, expense reporting, database management. Go to with, that's the word with, double.com. Use the code HUSTLE22. You get 50% off. Just click that link in the show notes, and they've got plenty of people that can help you. So, you know, so much about this conversation has been about people that can help you. Let them help. Let people do their job. Like, you know, unless you want to do the job yourself forever, you got to eventually let someone that, that you got to either hire someone that already knows how to do it, we got to get someone in there that has the acumen and drive and understanding to get it done. And that's not going to happen if you're standing there letting people do it. Now, part of letting people do it is accepting the fact that you know they're not going to be perfect. You're not either. Trust me, you are not either. And that's the big thing that comes with it. Uh, when it, One thing I didn't mention during the show that I think is important is when you are beginning, you talk about letting the leadership team lead. Well, in the precursor to them even becoming the leadership team, I, you know, I think one of the things that is important is, is I always ask people if I'm hiring for a leadership role, I want to make sure that they are capable of having a tough conversation. And I think that's something we didn't get into because look, here's the reality is not everyone's going to succeed. Uh, and, and I think part of, of leadership is also having other people that can convey a tough message. They can say, say, you know, Hey, well, you know, we're not getting the results that we came here to get. And I'd like to hear your opinion on how and when and why that might be the case, what we can do to find some solutions. I've come up with a few things as well. Now that look, that's, that's a, that's a polite way to have a tough conversation. That's I'm basically saying, Hey dude, you're not getting it done. I think you know that I know that let's figure this out. Now, if you're not willing to have that conversation, a lot people are scared. That conversation terrifies people. Like how many people in America have actually had to fire someone? 
Cause yeah. it's not a huge portion. And like, that's, that's a whole thing. So, you know, you know, you can do that. And, and I like, I want to hear, I want to hear people that I'm putting in a leadership role. I want to hear how they're going to handle that. Cause I also don't want someone that's going to go in there, you know, and shoot first and then ask for names. You yeah. know, just meaning like there's, you know, there's a way to, to, to get in there and do that in a, in a way that's, that's productive. I think that me 15 years ago and me now, have a different answer to that question, but I want to hear it from the leaders and I want to make sure that it's aligned, uh, you know, cause there are people that want to lead with fear and yeah. I, well, I, it just doesn't keep like, dude, I have like almost no churn at our company. Like people rarely, if I ever quit their job at full scale, but that has a lot to do with why, cause we we're a solutions or solutions and results. Those are the things that drive what we do. So I think if you focus on that and, you, and that's the message you're sending downstream to your leadership, say, Hey, look, I don't know what the solution is, but I'm counting on you to go figure that out. Hey, well, I'll catch up with you down the road. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.